The MLS All-Star break is in the rearview mirror, and there's around a quarter of the season left. And at this point, there's very little we know for sure when it comes to playoff spots, season-end awards, the golden boot, etc. But there's one thing that's not in doubt, and that is that LAFC are very, very good. Sam Stasekel is here to explain what's going right in Los Angeles. I'm Alex Abnos from The Athletic, and this is Soccer Every Day for Tuesday, August 16th. LAFC beat Charlotte FC 5-0 on Saturday, and that was without Gareth Bale and Giorgio Chiellini, who, by the way, are names of players that play in MLS now. I know I should get used to that, but I'm not. Uh, Anyway, LAFC has won six straight games. They're now six points clear at the top of the race for the Supporters' Shield with Austin and Philadelphia tied on points behind them. I have Sam Stasekel here with me on the show today. And Sam, I have two questions. One, how are you? And two... Will LAFC ever lose <laughs> again uh, this season? Um, I'm doing well. And will they lose again this season? Well, their next game is against DC United. Pretty confident that's not going to be a loss. Um, <laughs> the one after that, it's away, but San Jose? Yeah. I don't think that'll be a loss. Uh, the next one is the big one, away at Austin on August 26th. Uh, that game, I believe, Ooh. is going to be on ESPN, and a little birdie told me, this is some breaking news, Alex. No um, kidding. ESPN sending the A broadcast team to that match instead of Sounders Timbers, which is the same day and on the same network. So, you know, eschewing wow. the major rivalry with, you know, the the draw teams. I don't I don't know. No one in MLS is really a huge TV draw um, for the first versus second matchup in the West slash league, depending on where things stand. And two teams that a couple of weeks. Yeah. And two teams that play uh, really, really exciting, attractive brands of soccer. I think that'll be yeah. awesome. And on its merits, it makes a lot of sense to send the number one broadcast team. Um, but to, to get back to your question though, that is by yeah. far their toughest remaining game is away at Austin. Um, yeah. The rest of them home against RSL away at Dallas. That's, that's tough as well. Away at Minnesota. Also no cakewalk. But then you got home and away against Dynamo, away at Portland. Okay, another another tough one. And then yeah. and then home against Nashville to close things out on decision day. So will they lose again? Yeah, probably. They, they got a few they got six difficult away games remaining. Right. Um but I mean I don't think anyone's catching them for the shield. And which is exactly why we're talking to you here today. I think it was clear going into the season that LAFC had a lot of talent and that they had underachieved uh, last season uh, Mm -hmm. by a fair amount. Um, But I don't know. I seem to recall people being a a bit down on their chances uh, uh, in in around February or March. I mean, we were not immune from this as, as a staff. Uh, I don't know about you individually, but the staff collectively predicted LAFC uh, would be fourth in the West behind uh, Seattle, Nashville, and Kansas City. Uh, woof. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> uh, none of us had them as shield winners, uh, and I believe you picked Atlanta United, but we're, we don't have to talk about that. Um, what, where did I pick LAFC if you're pulling that up? Come on. I don't know. I, we did individual ballots. You know, uh, you know better than I did. I, I don't have... That's a long time ago. Yeah, it was moons. a long time ago. But anyway, so obviously this is without the likes of Chiellini and Bale in the team. Mm-hmm. We didn't know they were joining there, but they were really good before they joined as well. Mm-hmm. Why do you think people were sort of, I don't know if overlooking is the right word, but uh, not recognizing that LAFC still was capable of a season like this? Well, 
I think because they had a lot of change, right? So so let's wind it back a little bit. Last year, they, they missed the playoffs. They finished ninth in the Western Conference, but they finished with the second best expected goal difference in the league. You know, they, their wow. underlying metrics were really good. They just struggled when it came to finishing and their goalkeeping play was terrible. And they corrected that latter part in a big way by signing or trading for Maxime Cripeau from Vancouver in, in the winter. And, and you know, then they continued to, to build elsewhere. Ilya Sanchez, Kellen Acosta, uh, those were some new moves. But then the switch from Bob Bradley to Steve Chirundolo at head coach, I think people just thought it would take some time for things to kind of bet in, which I think was reasonable. Um, looking back, Chirundolo obviously didn't need that time. They're playing similarly to how they played under Bradley. Um, not exactly the same, but similarly. Uh, and they're deep. They're, they're probably the deepest team in the league. You know, Ryan Hollingshead, another offseason acquisition. Jose Cifuentes has continued to grow and is having an excellent season for them. In midfield, he'll be at the World Cup, I'm sure, with Ecuador in a couple of months, as will Diego Palacios, who's done well for them at left back. So they just have a lot of really good pieces. They're, they go pretty much too deep all over the place. And in the attack, with their with their new signings, with Bale and, and Denis Buanga, they go more than two deep, really. They go three. That's so right. It's kind of wild. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You you wrote a bit about that depth uh, on the attacking end uh, last week or the week before that uh, in The Athletic. And I want to talk to you a bit about that because I think this is potentially maybe a spot if you're really looking for some place where <laughs> yeah. LAFC is, might 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 fall or the reason they might falter would be that they just have too many good it's players. It's because they're too good. <laughs> it's just, they're just too good. No, yeah. they just have too many good players and not enough spots to play them. And you go into that a little bit. What are they looking at right now, especially with the addition of Denny Buanga, like you mentioned? Mm-hmm. They have Chicho Arango, who just simply refuses to stop scoring goals for them at, at striker. 10 goals yeah. in 11 games, his yeah. last 11 matches. Yeah. So so what, what what are they looking at exactly here? Uh, a wealth of options unlike any we've really seen before. Maybe not any, but many we've seen before in MLS history. So yeah. you mentioned Arango, Buanga. We talked about Bale. We haven't even mentioned Carlos Vela. He's oh, yeah. pretty, he's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> you know, Brian Rodriguez, there's, there's talk that maybe he'll end up at Club America. Uh, we'll see if that happens or not. Um, but for now, he's on the books, as is Mahalo Poku, who is a young developing winger uh, who's had a good season in his own right. Uh, at a young age. So that's six players for three spots. There's only one real true striker there, and that's Arango. Um, Having said that, Bale, Vela, and Buanga can all play as a number nine if they need to. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised if we see that get trotted out, where the three of them line up as the three attackers. Maybe one of them serves as a nine for a few minutes, and then they switch and rotate, and it kind of becomes this amorphous thing that, if it's clicking, could be really hard to deal with but if it's not, you could also see the works get a little gummed up. Um, but you know, I think they'll have some. I think they'll have some games to kind of mess around a little bit with as the regular season comes to a close. And so maybe they'll have time to experiment. And if it doesn't work, they always got Arango. That's right, uh, Sam. You co-host Allocation Disorder on this very podcast feed with Paul Tenorio, and I know this is the kind of thing you talk about all the time. Is there any sort of lesson to be learned by other MLS teams? 
uh, from LAFC's success this year? Is any of this replicable or do you absolutely have to have a huge market and a brand new stadium <laughs> and a million owners and a ton of money at your disposal in well, order to do what they're doing? Th- they have some structural factors working in their favor, certainly. Um, sure. I don't think Gareth Bale is signing a TAM contract for too many teams in MLS. <laughs> Fair. Uh, having said that, John Thorrington and, and his staff, John Thorrington, the GM, have done a really nice job, I think, of of succession planning, essentially, and, mm-hmm. and executing on those plans. And that's a hard thing to do in MLS. They've sold a number of players abroad. They've turned that into allocation money. Um, and they've been proactive in those. It hasn't always worked. You know, they're pretty much against the cap at some point in time every single year. We saw what happened with Walker Zimmerman, right? That that's one right. backfired on him. But they couldn't really keep him. They had to move somebody. And so it's, do you move him and sacrifice an attacker? But even this window, you saw it, right? Ishmael Taduri Shradi got traded. Danny Misovsky got traded. Uh, I feel like I'm missing another one that may have, may have happened. Either way, they were able to get a haul of allocation money back to create space to add Buanga as their third designated player and take advantage of that TAM contract that Bale signed, right? So I think they've done a really nice job of kind of cycling players in and out, understanding when they're going to have holes and trying to fill them before they open up so that the transition from one to the next is is a little bit more seamless. Well, we'll see if they can transition from having an excellent regular season into winning MLS Cup and avoiding the pitfall. I mean, that that's, have, the, that have, that's uh, been the bugaboo. Before. Yeah. You don't want to face Demir Krylock and the karate kick in the playoffs. <laughs> Um, but or the Sounders. <laughs> seriously, I mean, they've made the playoffs three times. They've lost in the first round twice. Yeah. So um, that is a major hump for this team to get over in, in this single elimination format. Anything can happen. Rainy, rainy Tuesday night in Stoke. <laughs> well, when it does happen, I'm sure we'll talk to you about it because I don't think LAFC is going to become less relevant anytime soon. Sam Seiskel, for now, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you, Alex. Before we go, a TV guide for today. All times are Eastern as usual, and we have Champions League final qualifying round today, the first leg of all these games. There are three to choose from, but the one I would pick, since they all start at 3 p.m., is Rangers versus PSV. That'll be on Paramount Plus and Today NA. And keep an eye out for Malik Tillman, the newfound U.S. men's national team prospect that plays for Rangers. He's been playing very well lately, and this is obviously a big matchup with PSV. Later on in Liga Emeki's action, we have Puebla versus Negaxa. Obviously, keep an eye out for Josie Altador, who now plays for Puebla and scored in their last game against Tijuana. A thriller that won a 3-3 draw. And then finally tonight, of course... The team we've been talking about all episode long, Los Angeles FC versus DC United. That'll be on ESPN Plus Nationwide, your local networks if you happen to live in one of those two cities, or on DAZN in Canada. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic. Thank you so much for listening, and happy soccer to you all.